0: Hello, welcome to this segment of Words of Truth. This is the first podcast that I'll be presenting today. So I'm glad that you've joined with me. I'm Pastor Mark Barrett of North Broadway Baptist Church. And this is a brand new podcast that I'll be presenting weekly. And I hope that you'll plan on joining me uh, during each segment. Today, we're going to be looking at the topic, does God care? Does God care for us? We're looking at Zephaniah Chapter 2, with so many things going on in our world today. This world pandemic of the COVID-19 coronavirus. People are getting laid off from their places of employment. Uh, Small businesses are struggling to stay afloat because they aren't allowed to open for business. Uh, Some of the most vulnerable may be anxious and even worried that they're next to contract the virus. And all of this has a tendency to cause people to lose hope, right? You feel confused and distressed and worried about your future. And we look at all of this and we ask ourselves, does God really care for us? Isn't that what you might be asking today? Does God care for you? I want to encourage you today that God really does care for you. You see, God isn't a wicked God who takes delight in our suffering. No, he's not. God cares for us more than we even care for ourselves. Did you know that? God is still on the throne. Yes, he is. And he loves us and he's going to take care of us. And in fact, I'm not convinced at all that God is pleased when things go wrong. And he's always ready to help us. Why? Because we're his children. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know that? You're fearfully and wonderfully made. We're chosen by God. We're blessed by God. There are a lot of scriptures that confirm to us that the Father cares for us. Could I just read a couple for us today? Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't that a wonderful promise from the Lord? How about John chapter 14, verse 26 and 27? But the helper, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. How about Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7? The apostle Paul wrote, Be anxious for nothing. How many things should we be anxious for, folks? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then he tells us what will happen, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. That's a wonderful promise for us to claim. How about Matthew chapter 10, verses 27 to 33? Jesus wrote, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, because he kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Imagine that. Do not fear, therefore. You are more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Those are just a few of the dozens of scripture that assure us that God indeed cares for us. In September of 2006, I read that sociologists from Baylor University released the results of a study looking into America's different views of God. And the study included a Gallup survey, which identified four distinct views of God's personality and interaction with the world. Those who believe in uh, an authoritarian God, um, that's 31.4%. They believe that God is angry at humanity's sins, engaged in every creature's life, and engaged in world affairs. Uh, Then 23% believe in a benevolent God who is forgiving and accepting of anyone who repents. Uh, 16% believe in a critical God who has his judgmental eye on the world but will not intervene to either punish or to to comfort. And then 24.4% believe in a distant God who is more of a cosmic force that launched the world and then left it spinning on its own. Well, you know, folks, that survey tells us something about ourselves. It tells us that many people believe that God's interest in us is largely academic. But listen, what if you knew just how much God loves you and just how much God cares for you? How would that change your life? Well, stay with me for a minute, because I'm going to show you something spectacular from the book of Zephaniah and chapter 3. Let me just give you the setting of this chapter. Zephaniah was a 7th century BC prophet. He was related to the royal family of Judah in the southern kingdom. His message condemns Judah's leadership, including his own relatives. And he calls the people of Judah to repent before the arrival of God's day of judgment. I mean, things were bad in Judah. Zephaniah pronounces God's judgment on the kingdom. It's wicked political and religious leaders and it's wealthy citizens who exploited the poor. I mean, folks, things couldn't have been any worse in Judah. The people had abandoned God. They rejected his plan for their lives. They pursued their own interests with no regard for God whatsoever. And so we can just imagine the people's response to Zephaniah's message of doom. Things were dismal until at the end of the message, Zephaniah offers his listeners new hope a reason to sing, a reason to rejoice. And our interest this morning centers on the message of hope. After six discourses of doom, Zephaniah's listeners are no doubt anxious for some good news. And you know what? People today are looking for hope as well, aren't they? Uh, They're looking for good news. We need some good news. We need to know that God loves us, and that God is in control of everything going on today. Let me share with you today the message of hope found in Zephaniah chapter 3, and I'm beginning in verse 14. Zephaniah writes, Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemy. The king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. <laughs> Can you imagine the comfort and the hope the people got when they heard that message? The message of doom was suddenly washed away by the Lord. I mean, look at the love that God demonstrates to his, to his people, who, by the way, were in a terrible spiritual condition. Instead of God's love, they deserved God's wrath. Instead of grace, they they should have received judgment. And yet, in the midst of this spiritual crisis, God replaces judgment with salvation and love. And God offers you and me the same thing today. He offers us a love so great that he offers to meet us in the midst of our spiritual crisis. And even though some have rejected his plan in favor of their own interests, despite our miserable past, God promises to bring hope for the future. And it was because of God's love that it gave Judah reason to rejoice. Let's look at them reasons to rejoice. Verse 16 In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear. Zion, let your hands, do not let your hands be weak. The Lord, your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I want you to notice the first reason in verse 17 to rejoice. He said, the Lord, your God in your midst, the mighty one will save you. Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? The same mighty judge who had graciously set aside judgment has now become the redeemer who lives among his redeemed. In other words, the redeemed ones can't separate themselves from God's presence. The words mighty one will save is talking about God's ability to deal with everything that might cause fear. You see, God alone Is capable of deliverance. And when we know that God can save, well, fear doesn't have to get a hold of us anymore. And a lot of people are dealing with fear during these days of this coronavirus. But you know what? We can overcome fear if we look to God, the one who is mighty, to save. You know, Judah's big problem was sin. And sin is the problem that keeps people from God today as well. You see, sin separates us from the love of God. But the good news is that it doesn't need to be that way. The Lord is mighty to save. He wants to redeem you. He wants to give you a new life. Another reason to rejoice is because he will rejoice over you with gladness. That's an awesome phrase. The Hebrew word normally used to express God's love is the word hesed, meaning the unfailing fidelity of love. Some Bible translations translate this word loving kindness. In this verse, however, the word hesed is not used, but rather the word ahaba is used. And that word refers to passionate love. So, for example, the love between Jacob and Rachel in Genesis 29, 20, or the love between Michael and David in 1 Samuel 18, 28, as just a couple of examples. You see, this kind of love is different from loyalty or loving kindness, but this is the love that God has for his people It's a love that actually delights him, the love as between a a husband and a wife. Can you imagine? God, the creator of the universe, is delighted in his love for us. There isn't anything greater than knowing that, that God loves us like that. And then the third reason to rejoice is that in verse 17, he says, He will rejoice over you with singing. And now imagine that as we come to God through the atoning work of Jesus, that God rejoices and that his love is so great and so personal and so powerful that it can't be silent. And God's great love, listen, God's great love causes him to break into a song over us. Now, doesn't that make you smile? I mean, can you imagine Hearing God sing? Have you ever read that in scripture before? That God sings? It must be so beautiful that it's unlike anything we've ever heard before. Oh, wouldn't you love to hear God sing? You see, God wants to God wants you to know that he wants to know us personally, and he wants to redeem us. In fact, he can't stop thinking about us. And when he does, it makes him almost giddy. He breaks into song. And the only question you have to answer is, what's keeping you from giving your life to Jesus Christ? is Is it ambition? Is it embarrassment? Is it fear? What is it that keeps you from coming to Christ? In an early scene from the movie Luther, the frustrated monk, Martin Luther, who would eventually light the fire of spiritual reform in Europe, struggles with his fear of a God who knows his sinfulness. An older priest was passing by Luther's room, and he heard him, and he entered into his room, and Luther said to him, Oh, I live in such terror of judgment. I wish there were no God. And the older priest responded, Martin, what is it that you seek? And Luther says, a merciful God, a God whom I can love, a God who loves me. And the older priest responds, then look to Christ, bind yourself to Christ and you will know God's love. Say to him, I am yours. Save me. I am yours. Save me. And the old priest took a cross from his own neck and he gave it to Luther. And clutching that cross, Luther said, I am yours, save me. I am yours, save me. And the promise to everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is that you will be saved. And as we live through these days of wonder and anxiousness and fear of the coronavirus, what we really need is for God to save us. but Because when we know the salvation of the Lord, then he'll wash away all of our fears. And when we know him, we'll know his passionate love for us that will take us through life. And when we know him, we'll know his perfect peace. Friends, cling to Jesus today and trust him to save you. This is the hope that the world is looking for today. Will you pray with me? Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came and died on the cross of Calvary to give us life, to give it to us abundantly. I pray for those listening today that they will find hope and peace and confidence in you. If there, are, if there is someone listening today who has never received Jesus Christ into their life to be their Savior, I pray that they would do so today. And, and you can just say a little prayer like this, Lord Jesus, save me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Make me your child. I want to live for you. And if you said a prayer like that, I'd love to hear from you today. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just bring peace and confidence, and hope today during these days of fear, these days of anxiety. And Lord, save us, redeem us, keep us safe, keep us in your hands. And Lord, we long to hear your voice singing praises over us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining me on Words of Truth today. I hope that you'll join me next week for another podcast. And And I would just ask that you would pass this link on to somebody that you know who might be encouraged by these words. Bye for now.